0: Well, here we are, another Sunday morning, blessed beyond measure. <laughs> we really are. You know, I was, if you think, um, well, in Sunday school we were talking about how that uh, Isaac planted his, uh, his crop in the desert, and not in the desert, but in a time of drought, and in a time of drought, he, he reaped a harvest a hundred times greater than... Uh, what he had planted, and of course that made <laughs> the other people jealous. But the, the, I think in our lives, we are blessed 100 times more than we could ever imagine. You, th- you think of it in the context, what would we do if we didn't have our faith? I mean, we, we, have, we have life and life situations and things happen and difficulties happen and we make... <laughs> We make decisions, and some of them good, and some of them not so good. But the bottom line is, God never leaves us. The bottom line is, no matter what happens, God is with us. And that in this life, or in the life to come, and in the life to come, we have hope. We are to be encouraged. And that we're not allowed anything to eat away at our courage. And in our lesson today... It's in Genesis chapter 17, and I'll read the text here. It's from 1 to, um, uh, till I quit, verse 8. (laughs) When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you, and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face. and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Cana for an everlasting possession. I will be their God. You know, we could just live in that, those verses, <laughs> I think, that Abraham's 99 years old and... You know, he has no children, and God calls him and says, Abraham, Abram, I'm going to change your name to Abraham, and I'm going to tell you at 99 and your wife at 90, uh, you're going to have a son. (laughs) And all the nations of the world are going to be blessed because of that. And in this, it says, I am going to establish a covenant. I am going to establish a covenant, an agreement that (laughs) God asks Abraham to... um, to uh, walk before him and, and maintain his, his, his precepts, his statutes. But God is saying, I'm going to do this for you. And that it's not a conditional covenant. It is, a, it is a, an agreement that God himself is saying. Now, whenever we look at this verse, and we look at these, uh, and especially the first verse, that I am the Lord, that appear, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, that word god almighty in the hebrew is el shaddai (laughs) you know years ago there was um patty patty sandy patty uh sang a song el shaddai you know and you know and the the word el shaddai means the all-sufficient one i am god almighty the all-sufficient one now do whenever we start thinking then okay here's the god who is the all-sufficient one and whenever we are take, going and bringing our needs to the Lord in prayer, we are looking at our need and we're looking at the God who provides. Now, the God who answers prayer. Now, again, <sighs> we, we don't know why things happen, okay? It's beyond our understanding life. Um, we don't have the answers to everything that happens, but we do have an understanding that God is with us and that we serve a God who is more than enough. (laughs) You know, he is more than enough. He who is more than enough and has more than enough. Okay? So God is, is, and has more than enough. So whenever we are aligning ourselves with God, and aligning ourselves in praying, we are recognizing that nothing is going to be able to separate us from God and that there is no deficiency in God. There is no way that God can, that God has a lack. You know, he runs out of. (laughs) He doesn't run out of anything. And so whenever, and and it's no bother to God to listen to our prayers. So God is more than enough. He is the all-sufficient one, the God of plenty, Okay. We're trying to establish the idea that God has no lack. Okay. Just trying to get that in our hearts and minds. The God who is all-sufficient. Now this is the promise given to Abraham who doesn't have a child and that he is going to have a child and his descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars and everything. So the all-sufficient one is making a promise to Abraham who doesn't even have a child yet. Okay. So the God who is more than enough And the all-sufficient one is making a promise. So whenever we look at our lives, you know, we sometimes, (laughs) you know, well, we don't have enough. We don't have enough of this or enough of that or we're lacking in this area or lacking in that area. But the challenge is that we believe in a God who is more than enough and God is in the... the, uh, I don't want to call it the business, but he, he is the one who transfers his blessings into our life, and he is the one who causes us to be blessed. Now, so in other words, God is more than enough. Um, or Colossians 1.16 says, All things were created by him in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible, whether things or do, uh, th- th- thrones, songs or dominions, or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. This is the challenge. God has created all things, and his blessings come through him and for him. So God's blessing in our life isn't about me. It's about God working through me, because I'm working for him. I'm working for God. I'm living for God. His peace is in my heart and mind. His forgiveness is in our soul. That, I, that everything that he has given, our salvation, isn't for us. It's through us. Christ comes and cleanses us, and we live for him. So the blessings that come into our life and the answers to our prayers is not so much about how I'm going to receive, I, me, and mine. It's how that God is going to cause my attention to go to one who is greater than me, to Christ. So, he's already overflowing with everything you need, and he longs to bless us. He longs to bring this into our life. So, the, the challenge is not to, okay, if you have enough faith and you can move, you can do these things, then I'll do this. Well, that's not how it works. God wants us to believe and that in the believing that we will be receiving. Faith is believing in a substance that is hoped for, and it's not yet here, but we are believing that it will be transferred, as it were, into this realm that we live in. So he wants you to be a reflection of who he is. So when God in his provision, when God in his blessing blesses our life, we are a reflection of our Heavenly Father. We are a reflection of what God is doing. You know, we serve a good God, so we believe in a good God. So we are reflecting his image. We're reflecting his presence. We're reflecting the hope that he gives to us. If in this life, Paul says, if in this life we have hope, we are of all men most miserable. Meaning that if all we have from God is just for this life, he says, you're going to be miserable (laughs) because people who don't have life don't have hope are they're the ones that are miserable but God is saying to us our focus is on his provision on what he wants to do and is doing in in our lives so we remember we are serving the almighty God the all-sufficient one the El Shaddai the God of more than enough okay we have those principles in our life now I I was—I just came across, um, well, mentioned that was mentioned somewhere. I don't know where. Oh, at our meeting, we had a meeting, ministers' meeting on Tuesday, I believe. Um, Well, since nineteen, you know, the Assemblies of God is the third largest denomination in the world. Did you know that? Doesn't look like it. You know, (laughs) God doesn't look like it. Third largest denomination in the world. Well, it just seems like. In other countries, the, the power of the Holy Spirit, people are, I guess, more open, more receptive, whatever, that the church is just bursting out all over the world, <laughs> in Africa and in South America and Central America. The church is just, you know, exploding. And it is the power of the Spirit that works in their life that makes a difference. And so it's the power of the Holy Spirit that is working in our life. You know, we can't, this isn't a, a mental, you've got to think these thoughts, you've got to walk this way, you've got to do these things, and then God will do his, what he's, no. It, it's in our heart. It's what we know in our heart. God has blessed us, and that the Holy Spirit makes that real to us. In the aloneness of your, your room, in the aloneness of whenever you're sitting there and thinking Think about God and his blessings on your life. Think about the word, a scripture. Let God make that scripture real to you. Not just a a thought that says, oh, uh, God will never leave me nor forsake me. Okay, that's a good one. What if in the privateness of your, your alone time with your thoughts, and you say, okay, God, please, you know, God, make this real to me. We're not begging. We're opening the door for God to touch our lives. Make this real to me. I am never alone. God will answer that prayer. He will be there. He'll make that real to you. Now, another scripture I have for this morning is Leviticus 20 24. And this is concerning the promise that God made to, to Abraham and to Isaac and to the children of Israel. But I have said to you, you are to inherit and take possession of their land meaning the promised land that God had set out for Israel and for Abraham. And I will give it to you to possess a land of plenty flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God who has separated you from the peoples from the pagan nations. Okay? Then another one, Deuteronomy 6, 2 and 3 says, keep, and this is the um, amplified, it says, keep and actively do all the statutes and his commandments which I command you, All the days of your life, so that you may so that your days may be prolonged. Therefore listen, O Israel, and be careful to do them. Do what the statutes, do the things that God is asking you to do, that it may go well with you. And you may increase greatly in numbers, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised, in a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, I I know I, I said this one other time, but I was thinking of this. God will give you a land of milk and honey. Okay, who makes honey? Bees. All right. Do you know that one pound of honey takes ten thousand bees? I don't want to tell you the process of how they do it, but anyhow. (laughs) And you ever and and that um, when you go near a hive, beehive, honey's. Honey honeybeehive, the, 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 you always hear the noise of the flapping of the wings. They are, they are literally evaporating the water, the moisture out of the honey to thicken it. I mean, these little fascinating creatures. And anyhow, 10,000 bees, which will fly 75,000 miles, visiting 8 million flowers to make one pound of honey. Now, God promised the, the, the uh, nation of Israel a land flowing with milk and honey. All right? Are you ready? Do you know what plants need bees to pollinate them? Apples, mangoes, kiwi, plums, peaches, nectarines, rose hips, pomegranates, pears, black and red carrots, cur- alfalfa, okra, strawberries, onions, cashews, cactus, pickled pears, apricots, allspice, av- avocados, passion fruit, lima beans, kidney beans, azuki beans, green beans, orchard plants, custard apples, cherries, celery, coffee, walnut, cotton, lice, likey, flax, uh, macadamia nuts, sunflower olds, goa beans, lemons, buckwheat, figs, funnel, limes, carrots, palm oil, I don't know that one, Durian, cum- cucumbers, hazelnut, cantaloupe, tangelos, Um, caraway, chestnuts, watermelons, star apples, coconuts, tangerines, boysenberries, star fruit, Brazil nuts, beets, mustard seed, broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, Brussels sprouts, uh, cabbage, some kind of cabbage, turnips, Congo beans, sword beans, chili peppers, red peppers, bell peppers, green peppers, papaya, sunflowers, uh, sesame, eggplant, raspberries, elderberries, blackberries, clover, Cocoa, black-eyed peas, vanilla, cranberries, tomatoes, and grapes. (laughs) I just thought I would throw that out there. I thought that was funny. Okay, so when God is saying that they are going to inherit a land flowing with milk and honey, God is saying, I'm giving you a land where there's lots of bees. (laughs) And what I'm saying is, There's a lot of flowers going on there. There's a lot of things going on. And then, of course, milk is from grazing animals. Milk cows, camels, horses, yaks, buffalo, not bison, buffalo, uh, donkeys, sheep, and goats. Those are all milk-producing animals. So God is giving to the nation, an agricultural society, he is giving to them everything that they will need that they can have a living. Because in this land, there is land flowing with milk and honey. So rather than saying, I'm going to have all these plants in your society, in, your, in this land, I'm just going to say there's a lot of bees there that's going to pollinate a lot of plants. God placed Abraham and Isaac and his descendants in a land of promise, a land of promise. That's quite a statement god is placing them in a land of promise we are in a land of promise that has lots of possibilities we are in a land of promise you see we can look at like the children of israel look at the land of promise and there's walled cities there's giants and there's problems and there's difficulties But we can also look at it, this is the land flowing with milk and honey. A land of promise. It doesn't say that we walk in and everybody leaves. That we walk into our life and there are difficulties that we have to face. But in the facing of the difficulties, God is there. When the children of Israel went across the Jordan and went into the promised land, they faced Jericho, the greatest walled city there ever was. And God brought it down. You see, our difficulties, and you see, in the promised land, there are difficulties that we have to face, and there are challenges that we have to go through. And there are situations that happen that we don't understand, but you see, the land of promise is there for us to take, and God is saying, I will bless you. I will bless your life. And, and, and I will bless what's going on in your life. That I, so we have to see that, the land of promise is a land of taking over and working through the difficulties that are in front of us. There's nowhere and in no way does God ever say, you lay down and let me bring it to you. <laughs> God says, these are the possibilities, now I want you to go out and I want you to act upon them. I want you to, you know, and uh, we'll, we'll go on. So Isaac sowed seed, alright, this is, this is part of our Sunday school lesson. And, and I wrote this before I did the Sunday school lesson, okay? Okay, All right. So. Back then, page seven, go to page eight. Okay. I have to follow my notes. I skipped a few pages. All right. In Genesis 26, 12, it says, then Isaac sowed seed and planted crops in the land and received the same year a hundred times as much as he planted, and the Lord favored him with blessings. Now, Isaac has moved out of or south from the land that he had been occupying because there was a famine. So he moved south of where he was living to the land of the Philistines. Now, the Philistines, it, you know, they were kind of the enemies of, of Israel, but of Isaac and them, but they... They were kind of coexisting at the time. And Isaac moves south, and there's a, there's a drought going on. And in the middle of the drought, Isaac plants his seed. Okay? Isaac plants his seed. Now, as we discussed in the Sunday school lesson, we don't, really, we don't know for sure exactly what happened, but we know that his crop produced 100 times what he, what he sowed in the ground. Now... Whether he irrigated the land or whether it rained, don't really know, but the commentaries kind of lean to the idea that Isaac, he went to the, the, near the well of his father Abraham that had established and um, possibly irrigated his land. Well, what happened was, and the man became great and gained more and more until he became very great or very wealthy and distinguished. He owned flocks and herds and great supply of servants. God blessed him. Can we go down to verse 14? You got that one? And the Philistines began to envy him. (laughs) They got mad at him because he was doing really well. Did you ever wonder why sometimes people don't like you? (laughs) Now, if you're picking at them and bullying them around, they have a reason to, you know. But sometimes people don't like you because they envy what you have. Let that sink in for a moment because I'm sure most of us are thinking, why would anybody envy me? (laughs) I'm just... But you see, you have something people who don't know Jesus don't have. You have a peace in your heart, we sang about it. We have an understanding of life that God will never leave me nor forsake me. We have an understanding that God will bless the fruit of our labor. That God has given to us promises promises that we can possess. Doesn't mean there won't be difficulty, but we can possess them. That life is eternal and we're just doing our best in the, in, in, in with God to be, develop this person, this, this spiritual being that God has created. We're doing by his spirit and his word, we are growing and developing. You see, Genesis tells us here for Isaac. Isaac must have wore his blessings well. Wearing your blessings. Wearing your blessings. You know, it's not wrong to say that God has blessed us. It's not wrong to say that God has blessed our life. Whenever we thank God, we're thanking God for where we are at. Because God has brought us to this point and to this place. He's changed a lot of things inside of us. He's given us a new perspective of life. He's he's given to us new hope and a new understanding that heaven and earth will pass away but his word will never pass away. The craziness that happens in the political field. (laughs) God sits up one and takes down another. So, Isaac planted and the Lord blessed. And when people envy, they, instead of seeing the hand of God, they see someone who is prospering. And do you know what happens when people prosper? <laughs> uh, it's like um, if, you, if you, you know, the crowd, um, I used to know this, you know, like people work, the average person, when I read this, I don't know how long ago it was, but I remember, the average person works at about 45% of their capabilities. That's the average. So a person who works at 70% or 75% or 90% generally rises above the crowd. Well, what happens when you rise above the crowd? Do you ever play that game where they pop up and you hit them? <laughs> you hit them on the head? You kids, you know, what it, what's that called? Whack him. that's it, whack <laughs> So the game is the, kid, the, the, the little animal or squirrel pops up and you whack it, you know. Well, that's what happens whenever we start living above the norm. Well, whenever we start living and believing in promises, there's always somebody out there, whack 'em, them, <laughs> whack them. You know? Well, they, they are envious or whatever. But most likely they're jealous. Jealous. you have a good family (laughs) you wear clean clothes you have a bed (laughs) you have someone who cares for you or you care about you see there's a lot of people who have no one to care for them just no one no one has the time and they can you can fail at work or car breakdown or <laughs> nobody cares i often wonder you know if i my car broke down along the road i would call AAA or i call a garage I, w- I wouldn't let it set out there and i often wonder do they have no one to call <laughs> do they have no one to you know give them a ride do they have you know, why does they just leave it sit there for weeks? Got red stickers all over from the police. You know, don't they care about the car? Is there no one who can help them? You see, we sometimes don't see what the blessings are that we have. We look at what we've lost, not what we have. And God, you know, whenever they, and in, in, in Isaac's in this, land and he's you know he plants plants seed in the drought and he has this crazy idea what if we take the water out of the well and irrigate (laughs) i don't know if he did that or it rained just on his property or whatever but whatever he did it caused him to prosper and he prospered to the point that (laughs) people were (laughs) people were jealous of him and to the point that you know what they did they went and filled in his well They filled it in with dirt. Now, if you live in a society where water is scarce and somebody else is blessed with water and you decide, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go over and fill in their well. I need water, but that doesn't matter. If I can take away their water, I'll be happy. Some people haven't changed. (laughs) From, you know... Thousands of years ago, they were willing to, they needed water too, but they were, they were more willing to, that's a good word, more willing, they were more willing to go over there and fill that well in so they didn't have water, even though they needed it, to get him to get out of their land. And they did this like two or three times. So, the, the, the idea is Isaac has a purpose Because he has a promise. Isaac has a purpose because he has a promise. God made him a promise I am the God of your father Abraham, and I am your God, and I will bless you, and I will cause your seed, and so on, the blessings. God is saying to us, (laughs) I will bless you. You have a promise. You have a promise that you'll never be forsaken. You will never be abandoned. God will cause all things to work together for good. So we have a divine promise that calls for us to initiate an action, which is, God, I trust you. So I will walk in obedience to your precepts. And that's the, pro- that's the condition that God had for Isaac and for Abraham, to walk in obedience his precepts. Now, the the whenever the children of Israel walked around Jericho, they walked around, they had to walk with they had to walk in silence. I always like that one. Can you imagine what they would have been saying? Walking around the the wall? I don't know that that Moses or jo, that Joshua, he's lost his mind. We're out here walking around this city. You know how dusty it is, you know how tired we are, and Joshua said, "Don't say a word." <laughs> Don't grumble and complain about the promise that you have in the place of pro- in the place of possibility. Because as we live in the promise, we have a divine possibility. <laughs> a divine possibility that God is going to do something miraculous in our lives. When we have a drought in our land, in our own heart and mind, we have a drought. God says, Plant seed. Whenever we have a drought in our thinking, we're mentally stagnant. Do you know that we create neural pathways in our brain? Neural pathways in our brain is people who are very negative. It is their neural pathway is set up that everything is set up in a negative pathway. They can't help it because that's how much they've programmed their mind to be negative. It'll never work for me because, and we go through the same old things that we've done all our lives to sabotage the promise that is spoken into our heart. What we have to do is challenge those neural pathways and say, I'm not going there. I'm going to go this way, which believes that God has a possibility, God's possibility, God's promises. God's going to work this out to the good. I don't know how, I don't know how or why, but I'm going to go in this direction. I'm going to stop those neural pathways. That's why believing and receiving God's promises is more than just a Sunday morning half hour activity (laughs) coming to church and sitting here and listening and having these things you you get you know uh, uh, hopefully an encouragement a stimulus a kick in the pants (laughs) a step on the toes a promise in your heart that says it's going to work and then we spend the rest of the time saying not going to work for you Not gonna God, you know, go through all those things and stop that. Stop that. (laughs) Okay. We have a drought in our friends. You know, the bullies and the people who ridicule and they stab our hearts with comments. Drought in the social media. A drought in our personal opinion. How we're overlooked. You know, one of the, one of the greatest uh, things is a feeling of depression and so on is we feel like we're overlooked. When we're overlooked and we don't have value. And God knows exactly where we're at. Okay? I remember uh, Sister Eiler, she was a pastor's wife, and she was here whenever we were here. And she, you know, her husband was a pastor in Johnstown for many, many years. Anyhow, her husband had passed, and she was telling me about her grieving, grieving process. And she was saying that one day she was sitting in her chair, and she was just sitting there and just being overwhelmed with her husband's, you know, his loss and going to heaven and her being left behind. And she was just overwhelmed with this. And while she was sitting in the chair, this was her word, she says, I felt this hand on my shoulder. There was no one there. And I heard these words in my heart. Blanche, I know right where you're at. And she said that word brought such peace to her heart. God knows right where we're at. And that's how God God works to us and he works in us and he speaks. So the man Isaac became great and great and gained more until he became wealthy and distinguished. He owned flocks and herds and greatly supplied uh, servants and the Philistines envied him. <laughs> so you see, when you're blessed, brag on God. <laughs> when you are expecting blessings, brag on God. Whenever you are criticized, shake them off. Do you ever see a dog whenever it gets wet? What does a dog do when he gets wet? He shakes it off. When people criticize you and throw stuff at you, Be a dog. (laughs) Shake it off. I would do that, but I would hurt my back. So, (laughs) but shake it off. Let it go. All right. So, Isaac was also called to the land of promise. The promise was given to his father and to him. The promise is given to you and I. We are to enter the land that God has promised, and it's in front of us. A promise where... We are the bride of Christ. We belong to him. Nothing can separate us. The land flowing with milk and honey. Do I need to read those over again? (laughs) No. But the idea is, God says you have a land flowing with milk and honey. See what God included in that? All the plants and, and the animals that was going to be in that place, God says I will bless you. And he is God the all sufficient one the god of more than enough he is el shaddai he is el shaddai the god i am the god almighty the all sufficient one let's stand <laughs> amen God Almighty, the All-Sufficient One, has made that promise to us. God, thank you for hearing, knowing exactly where we're at. You are the All-Sufficient One who supplies every need. There is nothing that you lack. There is nothing that you cannot create, have not created. And so all these things, all these things are added unto us. All these things are given to us. They are promised. They are blessings. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer. God, help us to open our hearts, our minds, to the change you bring and the possibilities and the promises that are yours. We brag on you, God. You are our Savior. You are the all-sufficient one. Thank you, God, for hearing our prayers, knowing our need, and... Supplying us with these promises. Do we receive that? Amen. Amen. God bless you.